I'm Sailor, and it's another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. And tonight, someone on here is going to be much funnier than me, I suspect. The first day I move in, right, the neighbor comes over. I see you got a son. He goes, I just want to let you know, if a ball comes into my yard, I get to keep it. So you tell me if the ball goes over your fence, you're not going to give it back. He goes, that's the rules around here. I'm like, all right, I already want this guy fucking dead, okay? He's going to keep a four-year-old's ball? So then like a week later, he decides to have like a block party to welcome us to the block. As soon as I walk in, the guy goes, hey, if you're hungry, uh, we got apps in the kitchen. I go, what, for your phone? What are you talking about? He's like, I go, what is that? He's like, it's short for appetizer. You never heard of apps? I go, not from a guy. I never heard a man say apps. <laughs> and then he starts in with the beer, right? He goes, uh, you want a beer? I'm like, yeah, I'll take a Bud Light. He goes, uh, we don't got Bud Light. I go, what do you got? We got a raspberry wheat, strawberry... I'm like, I don't want a fruit cup, I want a beer. He goes, no, it's just a hint of strawberry in it. I go, really? I'd rather have a hint of semen in my beer than a hint of strawberry. <laughs> yeah, at least I'd be drinking something manly. I suspect you are going, you are very right on that. For the listeners that might be new to the show, we do sometimes compare two albums from one artist against each other, discuss, argue, very unprofessionally debate the merits, and in the end, only one album or artist reigns supreme. Hey, Jake, you're not allowed to talk about Tony Chatters tonight. <laughs> Don't tell me my business, devil woman. <laughs> uh, you're, you're absolutely right, Jake, but uh, we felt the need to switch things up yet again. So tonight, there will not be an album battle. Yes, Ed, tonight Typical. we will instead be discussing Napster, the history, of course, the controversy, and how... All of modern music services uh, were affected by it. Modern music services that are taken for granted today, certainly. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys. I don't know if you've noticed, but we have a guest here tonight. I mean, I don't know how he got here, but let's just say hi to him anyway. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jim. What's up? Hey, Jim. So I suppose I should introduce you in a little bit more of an official capacity. Jim Florentine is with us tonight. He's a stand-up comedian. He's an actor. He's an author. He's a TV personality. He's an Emmy winner. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, And Jim used kind of be an Emmy. Yeah, kind of. No, you're an Emmy winner. (laughs) Jim used to co-host that metal show on VH1 Classic, and he was the voice of several characters on Crank Yankers, like Special Ed, who was my favorite. And he has his own podcast, which is not as cool as this podcast, but you should probably listen to it anyway. It's called Comedy Metal Midgets. I listen to it. I love it. It's awesome. So you may be asking why in the fuck he has graced our tiny little show with his presence. It's because we're cool and there's Jake's kids. (laughs) So, Jim, thanks for being with us tonight. We appreciate you taking the time out. Super awesome. Um So I have a couple questions that I want to ask you, basically just to introduce you to the listeners. Um, You have actually met and hung out with most of the people that we have covered in the year that we've been doing this podcast. Um, And the whole reason we started this podcast was because of Metallica. Um, I have always been a huge Metallica fan since I was a tiny kid in the 80s and... um, Lost my love for them during the Napster period that we're going to talk about tonight. 
And uh, I always I always say after Injustice for All, they're dead to me. I don't listen to them anymore. So I put up an album battle on Instagram one night and got a ton of responses from all my whiskey friends. And here we are with Metal Rock and Whiskey. So that's kind of how we came about. So should I call you Jammin' Jim? Well, first of all, I mean, how you cannot like the last two Metallica records is insane. Oh, boy. I can see if you could reload and reload, could have been one record. Said anger was weird. I still liked it. The sympathy thing, I don't even pretend I, I liked. The Lulu thing was just a side project. Ooh. The last two records are great. Oh, thank you. Thank see, you. Can't do it. I'm, I'm I've been can't trying do to it. convince her that Hardwired to Self Destruct is like one of their greatest albums ever. No fucking way is yeah, it the greatest that album ever. was great too. No way. Yep. Can't do it. I'm a thrash girl. I want thrash. I want old Metallica. The new shit just doesn't do it for me. I don't know. I don't know. What's up? Hey, Jake. Hey, Jake. Hey, Jake. Hey, us. There is a lot of thrash in the last two records. There's a little bit. It doesn't have the same feeling for me for some reason, but I'm the type of person well, Metallica that... Metallica was the kind of band that you don't want to... They didn't want to do the same record over and over again. I respect that. Some bands I agree. do that. And, they, and every band, every song could sound like it could be on any record. Thank sure. you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I've been making that argument for a year. With I'm them. the minority here, definitely. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I hold on to um I hold on to these things with like a death grip. Like I'm someone that will hold a grudge for fucking ever and that's what this is about for me. So right. maybe maybe one day we'll thaw me out. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll just have very, to see. She's very passionate about this. <laughs> so not gonna make it. not gonna break her on it. So, New York in the house tonight, by the way. We've got three New Yorkers in the house tonight. What, what? Um, Jim, you are originally from Brooklyn, but grew up in Jersey. Is that right? Yeah, I I was born in Brooklyn, but yeah, grew up in Jersey. Jersey. Still live in Jersey. You got a fellow Jersey dude next to you here. Matt is also from Jersey. I'm a Queens Astoria girl. And you also lived in Fort Lauderdale. I did as well. It's a weird, weird town, in my opinion. Yes, definitely. <laughs> what, what, what period did you live there? What years? I was in the, like the late eighties. Okay. I was down there, went to high school down there and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I still have friends and stuff. I go down there to visit, but not to live. Too many, you know. It's all uh, transient people. Yeah. That are run, running away from somewhere else. They <laughs> all, all the fucked up people go to Florida and live That's there. True. They <laughs> <laughs> get away from yeah. whatever they they did wrong in their state. Yeah. Right. And then come back a couple years later, hoping everyone forgot it. It's so oh, true. I I so was. Why did you go down to Boca Raton from Jersey, Matt? No comment. The wife. <laughs> it was the wife. He had <laughs> wife, no yeah. choice. Um, I was the girl that hung out on the CD strip in the late '80s um, and was sneaking into all the clubs and bars to see rock shows and get into a lot of fucking trouble and do drugs. So. <laughs> You ever go to Art Stock's playpen? Yes. Yeah, I used to work at Heavy Metal for Mondays. So I was a DJ. Oh, really? Ah, oh, nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. My fa- one of my favorites was the Elbow Room because we knew the door guy, and he would let us sneak in, and we would get drinks for free. And they started playing like hair metal bands in the late '80s. So um, my grandparents' house was like a couple blocks from the strip. They had a beautiful house. And they were deaf to the world. Like, they didn't hear anything. And I would sneak in all the bands in the back door, and we would party in the house. And she never, my grandmother never heard a thing. So I, my house was the party house. <laughs> Sorry, Grandma. Um, 
So you hung out with Metallica actually before they were really known, before they were a band because of Johnny Z, is that right? Yeah. Pretty cool. When Mustaine was still in the band. That's right. Oh, yep, yep. Mustaine. And then even afterwards, you know, because they were doing all these local gigs in the area in New Jersey where I lived, because that's where Megaforce Records was. So they were just always playing little bars, you know, backyard parties, all that stuff. So I saw them probably like 15 times before, you know, before even Master of Puppets came out. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, your whole career is really impressive, I have to say. Um, I, I also wanted to ask you, did you ever um, do any stand-up at the, what was it called, the Olive Tree in the Village? Yeah, comedy yeah I was just there last weekend. You had a comedy really? Seller. So yeah. um, my girlfriend, my roommate, um, beautiful girl, this must have been 93 or 94, worked there as cocktail waitress downstairs and I would get off work and go meet up with her. And um, that was the time when David Tell was there. And um, oh, I can't think of all the other guys' names. But John Stewart had just lost his show on MTV. He had just been fired. His show had been canceled. And that's when Erica and I were running around um, at the Comedy Cellar all the time. So I wonder if we were in the same place at the same time then. Um. I was probably there a little later, probably around like 97, 98, okay. 99, around there. That's what I, because I wasn't doing comedy long enough to work there. You had to be really good to, you know, they only used, you know, real, you know, real guys like David Tell, John Stewart, those kind of guys. So if you're up and coming, it was tough to work that, that place. That's, a, that's what I heard. I always wondered if it was really true or if the guys were just saying that to toot their own horns. <laughs> no, no, you really had to be, because that was like the top room in, in New York City. Right. So you really had to be good to be. Yeah work there it was fun time to hang out there for sure um you've also had an opportunity to podcast with one of my heroes mark maron what was that like that must have been awesome he's great i know mark from new york you know at the comedy cellar and you know he was a new york city comic for a long time Mm -hmm. and you know he's been out in la and stuff he's great too he's awesome yeah and i also hear that you've got about 550 concert shirts it's probably 600. I, I try to stop buying them. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> I know it is, but I like whenever I go see a band that I like, I always go to support and buy a shirt. Yeah. 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 You know, because I know it helps them out and stuff. So I'll always do that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous at this point. You've got me beat. We've talked about this on the show several times. These guys have wives that are always trying to throw their shirts out. My ex husband used to bitch about all my shirts and ask me if that was the only thing I planned on wearing forever. And I would say yes. Um, but I hope one day I will have 600 of them. That's a goal that I'm setting for what myself. Other, what other guy wouldn't want a low-maintenance girl that's going to wear a concert shirt every night? Thank you. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? A Thank you. Exactly. Yep. Don't give a shit about diamonds. Just get me a fucking Slayer shirt. Perfect. Right here. And I'm happy girl. That and a bottle of whiskey. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Let's first talk about what we are all drinking. And uh, Matt, big whiskey segment coming up tonight, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And then I believe Sailor will have some questions for Jim. I do. So what's everybody drinking tonight? So, Who wants to go first? Or yeah, don't, don't everybody talk at once. And, and look at oh. each other's pretty faces. <laughs> Ed, how about, how about you and your Anchorhead Star Wars Motorhead mashup t-shirt? What are you drinking <laughs> well, tonight? For me, I love that shirt. It's awesome. Yes, this is one of my favorites. I wore it for our special episode tonight, 
And I am also drinking a very special whiskey for our special episode tonight. I pulled out one of my favorite pours. Um, It is called Rock Hill Farms. I'm sure if you're a whiskey fan or a bourbon (laughs) fan, you've heard of this before. Um, It's 100 proof, made by Buffalo Trace, and um, is one of the best tasting whiskeys in my collection but unfortunately it's not too easy to come by these I, days I, I not anymore I remember nope man i remember that one just i used to just buy it by the case yeah and, you could just buy them and, yeah no, I don't. well there i you know in the, some of the nationwide groups that i'm that i'm in people started talking about like oh man i just you know it's so hard to get blah blah and i'd be like do you want me to get you some because i'd pass <laughs> by this liquor store all the time that would have like Six of them on the shelf all the time. Like I, that's with, the way I feel about Blanton with dust on them. Man. I hear oh. everyone talk about, yeah. oh, I can't get Blanton's. Oh, Blanton's. Blanton's. I'm like, yeah, just you want me to send me some money? I'll I want you to send four, me some Blanton's, please. Up until like a less than six months ago, Blanton's used to sit on the grocery store shelves here. Eight mm. <laughs> That's a load of crap. <sighs> Well, yeah, Rock Hill's, Rock Hill's a good pour. Mash Bill 2 Buffalo Trace, same as uh, Elmer T. Lee. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going back and forth between that and Elmer, actually. Which one I was going to drink. Sailor, you got something? I'm actually drinking George Dickel Rye because it has the word dick in it. <laughs> Fair enough. Dickel and All righty. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. So... <laughs> Rye not have some Dickel. <laughs> <laughs> so I happen to be a fan of Dickel. I'm not a big fan of Tennessee whiskey. I'm not a big, you know, I'm a rye lover, huge rye lover. Um, but I have introduced, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of introducing whiskey to a friend here. And um, I gave him some sips of various stuff and he's just like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then one day I gave him a sip of my Woodford rye. And he was like, ooh. And I was like, aha, you like the rye. So I've been bringing over different ryes. And so I bought this for him. And now I'm going to kill the bottle. Sorry. Um, and- I remember the time you introduced me to Dickel. Yes, I did, didn't I? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I gave you the dickle. <laughs> you want to talk after the show? <laughs> Not no, been a dickle cool. fan ever since. I don't have secrets. <laughs> You're a fan of the dickle now, are you? And then, oh, and, then a, and then abruptly, uh, Ed's wife made you leave. <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> that was fucking uh, amazing. Hey, she never. was there when I introduced him to the dickle. Actually, I, I, I know. We were, we were all together, weren't we, Ed? <laughs> It was That's a right. group. It was a group dickle. All three of us. It was group. a group dickling. <laughs> <laughs> How long do you think we can keep this up? <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> but oh. I'm paying only because I had the dickle. Um, so I love I love dickle because it's priced really well. Um, mm-hmm. It's quality. It does not taste like Jack Daniels. It doesn't have that astringency that I don't care for. Um, so for like a good, you know, lower shelf, daily drinking, low cost uh, rye, this hits the mark completely. It's also 90 proof, which I love. So get a little bit more heat in there. Um, the, the longer you drink whiskey, uh, especially American whiskey, 
you start to learn that the proof is where the flavor is and you'll you'll as your palate builds you'll kind of find yourself veering more towards the higher proof um whiskeys and this 90 proof as a rye is just spot on so i really like it <clears throat> yeah dickle doesn't taste anything like jack daniels nothing completely no. different but I've had a lot of people – that is a huge question I get all the time because in my tastings and in my classes, I make no bones about the fact that I do not care for the flavor of Tennessee whiskey. And so I will – specifically Jack Daniels. I don't know what the hell – there's something about it. You know, it's all subjective that I just don't care for. Um, so I get questioned about that a lot. People are like, oh, but, you know, this is a ten- – is this Tennessee – and I'm like, no, no, no. Go for the dickle. You'll love it. It's great. Every time. How about you, Jake? I am drinking uh, medium roast Colombian coffee. Ooh, wow, because I am in the midst of sober October. Oh, fuck. Yep. I forgot no, about I that. I haven't had uh, I haven't had a drink since our last recording, actually. Damn, dude. <clears throat> um. And, uh, yeah, and I'm also, uh, you know, we kind of, kind of talked about, uh, I've got some, got some health goals I'd like to still achieve this year. And so I kicked it off this way. Plus I'm about to remodel my, uh, my home bar. So I figured, you know what, uh, October would be a great time. Just box up all the bottles. I got to do it anyways. And, uh, and just start tearing this place apart. And, uh, I also, um, Switched on to a keto diet this week, so that's a, that's yeah. a that's a lot at that's a lot at one time for you. It's a it was a lot at one time yeah. this week. Uh, this week's been pretty rough, actually. Dude, October it would be the worst <laughs> month in the world yeah. for me to not drink whiskey. Like, give June, July, <laughs> August, no fucking problem. You're I'll telling drink beer, me, I've, I'll drink gin, but October, no fucking yeah. way. That's when I want oh whiskey so bad. College football and NFL, you know, there's all this stuff going. But it's, I mean, for what I need to get done this month, it works out actually perfect. So. Got a really, really busy month work Keto, Keto's a good diet, so, man. Keto's a good diet. Well, it's, I'll drink your share. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Matt, what you so, got for us tonight? Yeah. For the first time in any of my whiskey segments since we started this show, uh, I am actually not drinking my whiskey segment. I'm drinking something else. Oh, and, good. Jake, it is so amazingly ironic that you mentioned <laughs> Colombian coffee, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because we have another metal rock and whiskey first, I am drinking rum. Whoa! Oh. Hang on, hold on. You're hold, fired. Whoa, pause. <laughs> pause, pause, pause. Hold on. Is this because I allowed your wife to drink rum on the show, on the lady takeover the other night? No. Because Just because I gave her permission does not mean you have permission to drink rum. Well, that's She's special. I- that's ironic also, but... <laughs> We are talking about a very controversial subject tonight, so I figured I should do something controversial and drink rum. That's fucked, man. Okay, (laughs) Sailor, I know the audience is going to be thinking, what the hell are you talking about right now? So you want to give a little plug? As long as you brought it up? Do I? I do. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Sailor. Do you like music? Oh, yeah. Do you like rock? Oh, 
Fuck yeah. <laughs> yes! That's right, motherfuckers. Me and Jenny are taking over the show for two whole weeks. You get to hear us bitch about dudes, bitch about dude music. No, that's not what happens, actually. <laughs> no, I think you guys I'm are really sure. going to like it. We had some badass, we had some badass babes as our guests. We talk about a lot of fun stuff. We talk about Mrs. Whiskey Obsessor and her music career. Um, so super exciting. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And it's going to launch a permanent show that we will have the first Friday of every month here on Metal Rock and Whiskey. And it's called Pretty Good for a Girl. And it will be, um, myself and mrs whiskey obsessor jenny and we'll be talking about female bands female musicians the plight of women in music and the industry and focusing heavily on the riot girl movement so i can't wait guys so exciting so- sounds like uh sounds like whiskey save the d <laughs> Whoa! get it that's awesome that's awesome. You know, I said, some, I said some really nice things about you the other night, Jake. I might have to take those back. And my friends, this is exactly why we need a fucking lady takeover. You might have to play that clip. You might have to play that clip on that show. Yes, Ed, will you please save that clip for me and just drop it in a place where I can grab it when I need to? Whoa! Grab the D when I need to. <laughs> Hey yo! So anyway, yeah, back to this, uh, back to delicious Colombian things. Please, um, oh, yes. like your wife. <laughs> Touche. I'm sorry, I had to do it. Well, that's uh, the pun was intended. So okay, the pun so was intended. Mad. Yes. <laughs> um, so I am drinking, and I'm gonna say this like she would want me to say it. So I'll try my best, but it's uh, Dictador uh, Exo Insolent Solera Rum. Uh, from Colombia, like I said, uh, it's so good. It's uh, it's fermented from uh, virgin sugarcane honey, and it's actually aged in both sherry and port barrels. Uh, it is so good. It's it's such a dessert Sounds rum. Delicious. Such a dessert rum. Uh, you know, any creamy sort of thick cake you want. You know, chocolate chip cookies, perfect pairing for those. Um, it's it's just so good. The interesting thing about Colombian rum. <clears throat> Is that, you know, this is produced in Cartagena, which is on the northern coast of Colombia. And the laws, uh, the distilleries in Colombia um, are owned by regional governments. So, for in particular, like this one's uh, in Cartagena, like I said, and the regional government there owns this. So, they can determine where they sell it and where they distribute it. So, you know, Ed, for instance, it would be like, you know, you could buy Colville in Chicago, uh, but if you went to Springfield... It wouldn't be allowed. You wouldn't be allowed to sell it there if they didn't want you to want to sell it there. Um, so very localized, mm-hmm. and uh, and actually only one percent, I believe, last I read, one percent of the sales of this particular rum are actually in Colombia. I think actually that represents exactly the system that we have here in the United States, being that 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 there's <laughs> Kentucky only uh, yeah. releases of bourbon. I mean, we're talking about. I mean, it's just the difference is is that the country of Colombia is the size of one of our states, so that does, you know, that geographically the uh, it, there's definitely the connection there. But if you think about all the things in our own con- in our country that you can get in in one state that you can't get in the next, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I had a rum 
last fall, and um, a friend of mine had just come back from Trinidad, I think, and he brought back um, Angostura makes a rum. I cannot remember if it was the 12 year. I believe it was, but it's finished in bourbon barrels. Mm. And I remember as he, you know, he told me about it. And I'm like, oh my God. And he's like, come over, come over and try it. And I was like, I was there that night. Um, and as we were sipping it, we were both like, I'm so confused. What am I drinking? Am I drinking a bourbon or am I drinking a rum? I mean, it's not often that the barrel will so overtake the base spirit that's in it but mm. it was definitely the case in this room i found i found it um, to be delish amazing mm. i guess to perch if we were to purchase it here it would have been like a several hundred dollars it would be so expensive but he got it from a colleague when he was visiting there and it was like 30 bucks or something like that but that was wow. actually i'm not a rum fan <laughs> so much every once in a while but um that was phenomenal and because it 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 there was a lot of bourbon flavor in there, I guess, is why I liked yeah. it so much. And this bottle's about a hundred bucks if you can find it on the shelf. Um, yeah. So good quality. Um, but yeah, nice. now I guess I will do my whiskey segment now. So please I'm, do. Yes, thank you. So as you know, uh, listeners, today we are discussing the famed music download site Napster and the controversy surrounding it. Likewise, as we all know, there are whiskeys out there that have also been the subject of some controversy, and one more in particular of late than any other. Uh, for my whiskey segment, I chose Crown Royal Blender's Mash, formally known, oh of course, oh, as Crown, fuck. formally wow. known as Crown Royal. Dude. Come on, guys. You did not Bourbon do it. Oh, 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 God. <laughs> you would. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Hey, he went there. It, it fits, he went there, folks. It fits the show. So let me explain quickly for those listeners who may be whiskey novices without getting off on a huge tangent here. We'll try not to get off on a huge tangent here. Oh, so, yeah, good luck. little history. In 1964, the Congress of the United States declared bourbon uh, to be a distinctive product of the United States. And furthermore, took several measures to prevent any imported whiskey from brandishing the word bourbon on its label. The United States Treasury's Department of Alcohol and Trade Bureau, or TTB, oversees this, and any alcoholic beverage label must receive a certificate of label—a certificate of label approval, or what they call a cola—before they can be sold in the U.S. The TTB rules clearly state that the word bourbon shall not be used to describe any whiskey or whiskey-based distilled spirits not produced in the United States. However, for some reason, the TTB granted the Crown Royal Bourbon Mash a certificate of label approval before abruptly, and rightfully so, changing their mind. Stores across the country were instructed to remove the product from their shelves and promptly have it returned to distributors. Or, like in my case, working in retail, uh, be presented with crudely made labels to attach to every box stating, in quotes, this is not bourbon, end quote. So... Crown Royal Bourbon Mash was then repackaged as Crown Royal Blender's Mash. The same juice, different <laughs> label. Now to be clear... Same bullshit. Same bullshit. Same now bullshit to be, is right. Same garbage bullshit. Yes. Yeah, same I'm trying, I'm trying to be as kind... Shit. I'm, I'm trying to be as kind as possible here. It's no, really don't tough. be kind. It's really Fuck tough. I'm shit. just trying to be... I'm, all right. Now to be clear, the juice inside of this bottle is not bourbon. It is 
not so much different than a typical Canadian whiskey, a whiskey with a high corn mash bill blended with grain and rye whiskeys. Like, Crown Royal really thought they could steal away a true bourbon drinker? Oh, God. Controversy they did. indeed. They got yes. plenty of advertisement out of it. They did. They certainly oh, did. Everybody, yeah, they everybody, everybody talked about it. Oh, yes, they did. <laughs> I wonder what, I, I mean, I'm, my guess is they probably sold it out. I mean, I, probably a lot of people wanted to buy one just knowing that it was going to get you know, either removed from shelves or, you know, be a one-off kind of like... Well, people I mean, wanted just, to buy... They tried the, to slip it They wanted to buy the old label, and that's what they wanted yeah. to buy. Yeah. 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 But yeah. it got nobody's pulled... Gonna, but nobody's going to buy it now. Most reputable <laughs> stores pulled it, actually. It was... The distributors... It was it was ordered to be pulled from the shelves. So, the, it didn't, that didn't go so well for them. If that's what they were hoping for, their intention or whatever, I don't know, but it didn't... That it was not a this wasn't this is not a positive thing for whiskey. Like Canadian whiskey already gets a bad rap in the US and the rest of the world. You're not helping yourselves, Crown Royal. If I was Canadian, no. if I was a Canadian whiskey enthusiast, I would be like double fuck you thumbs up to like <laughs> you're not helping the case. There is very nice Canadian whiskey out there. Why why create this garbage fucking why help to I don't know. The mentality and the thought process behind it pisses me off. I think it's a load of crap. And if I was Canadian, I'd be fucking pissed. Well, I think most most avid bourbon drinkers would just look at it and laugh, really. I mean, not even, you know, it's just. <laughs> yeah, but as a yeah, Canadian whiskey be- drinker, wouldn't you be pissed? Like, you're not helping it'll, us. It was just a bad move yeah, overall. I mean, so. I mean, if you're a Canadian whiskey drinker, I mean, your standards are already so low. So it doesn't <laughs> matter. Oh, <laughs> Damn. Well, I mean, think think, of, think about your whisk, own space. The whiskey obsessor, save the e. <laughs> For on all Instagram. your hate mail, that's where you send your hate mail. Not to the Metal Rock and Whiskey Show, please. That no. was just the whiskey. <clears throat> DM me, DM me if you got a problem with that. With the think dick about it. think about if you're a yeah. Scotch fan and you know the marketing <laughs> schemes that have come through there, and I mean, even in, in 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 bourbon in this country, it's there's so many stupid marketing ploy one-off you know quote-unquote craft shoots that throw stuff on the shelf all the time with you know labels that we will have an episode about some of these uh you know celebrity induced whiskey labels and everything else i mean it is what it is they threw something out there for shock and awe and i think that's what they got i mean they it's it's crown royal for the love yeah Yeah. (laughs) well yeah I mean, I don't think many people take them seriously anyway, but... They uh, have salted caramel whiskey, which flies off the shelves. Yeah, Yeah, but so does rum chata, so, you know, Uh, But, hey, if you ever want butter shots, rum chata makes awesome, like, butter jello shots. Gross. Nah, it's all right. Gross. Well... Matt, that was awesome. Very apropos. Thank you very much. (laughs) You're welcome. I appreciate that. (laughs) All right, guys. Let's talk about Napster now. Why must you complicate everything I say? But always acting like you care. Put on my battle gear and open up the gate. Shot, but you're not there. I've been around 
we are discussing Napster, um, and the reason why we chose this topic is because it has come up several times um, in our discussions, but also because it is connected to the reason why this show even exists. It is very heavily connected to Metallica. So um, just for a little background... Those of you who don't know or remember what Napster is, it was originally designed as a peer-to-peer online file sharing service that emphasized sharing digital audio files like MP3s. So the format was an available service from 1999 to 2001. Short-lived, but man, was it an earthquake. It was founded by two young men who were hackers at the time and are now considered visionaries in the digital media universe. They were, there were already file sharing services that existed when Napster came out, but Napster was unique because it focused on music and it was very easy for the user. Um, back then, file sharing services were difficult. Sometimes you had like piece together files. If you didn't know what you were doing, you were fucked, but this was a really easy way to get music. And what you mostly found online early on was difficult to obtain music or music that had not been released in certain territories or old songs, unreleased demos, and bootleg concert recordings. Napster became so popular that it had about 80 million registered users at its peak, and I was definitely one of them. And even... Yeah, yeah, I have them and LimeWire. I was obsessed with, absolutely obsessed with. Um, and even before the issue of copyright infringement became a problem, universities began blocking Napster from their local network because of the amount of students that were sharing files. There just wasn't enough bandwidth for it. And it would literally take down entire university networks, which I think is funny. Um, and then came the lawsuits. So Metallica discovered that a demo of their song, I Disappear, was being shared around the world before it was released. And this led to radio play that they did not sanction, nor did their label. Um, So then they found out their whole back catalog was available on Napster for download. So in March of 2000, they filed a lawsuit against Napster. And then Dr. Dre followed shortly after that. Napster settled both of these lawsuits after it was shut down by the ninth... um, Court of Appeals. And by the way, Saturday Night Live did a hilarious parody of the trial. I remember watching it when it came out, and I just went back and rewatched it the other night, and it it is so funny. So and I'm gonna ask you Oh, it's so funny. Oh my god. It's so funny. It's so hilarious. Um so several major labels after um the two previous suits um filed against Napster, including the RIAA, which is the Recording Industry Association of America. And um, Napster appealed, they lost, they had to file bankruptcy, and they were shut down and sold off their assets. They still exist, but in a completely different form. So there's a little bit of a flip side to this issue for the artists that didn't have major labels to push and market them like Madonna and Metallica did, um, like Radiohead, for example. Napster actually helped Radiohead get major airplay and boosted the sales of their new album in 2000. Many artists who are not on major labels have said Napster was a huge uh, point of success for their visibility and album sales. So now that we have an understanding of what Napster was and the issues surrounding it, let's talk about how it's connected to Metallica. So as I mentioned, Metallica is one of the first to sue Napster, and Lars in specific was very, very outspoken against Napster at the time. So fans felt that Metallica were targeting them, not just Napster. He personally delivered a list of 300,000 names of Napster users. Wah, wah, wah. 
Um, at the time, Patty Smith said perfectly, "Just it's just like about the most uncool thing you could do. There were a lot of other reactions from other music uh, musicians and music stars. Motley Crue's Nikki Six spat, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. And I think Metallica's so, hogs. I think it's not acceptable behavior for an artist to do that to their fans. Um, so one of the earliest internet viral videos, I don't know if you guys remember this, was called Money Good, Napster Bad. It was a savage cartoon parodying Metallica. The video even inspired its own online series, Metallicops, in which Lars and a Frankenstein like James Hetfield patrol the world, busting anybody who prevents a single cent from making it into the group's pockets. Brutal. So the fans were, were very, very unhappy with the way they came out of the gate, um, guns a-blazing, and it seemed that they were targeting, saying, fuck you to the people who are downloading our shit for free, and fuck you, Napster. But... Let me just end this with a recent quote from Lars. So he was asked in a Rolling Stone magazine article interview, what did you learn from the Napster backlash? And he said, and I quote, I learned that the thing I love most about Metallica is that we're very impulsive, that impulsivity occasionally bites us in the ass because we jump before we know where we're landing. In a creative environment, that's a great situation. But with Napster, we jumped straight down to, fuck these guys, let's go after them. And then all of a sudden, we were just like a deer caught in the headlights. I underestimated what Napster meant to the people in terms of the freedom it represented. So I think that sometimes, even if you don't want to, you got to kind of just do a little bit of due diligence before you jump, and at least have an idea of where you think you're going to land. End quote from Lars. So... It's a big about face, and I got to say, um, Jim, I don't know if you know, but we end every single show with me saying, fuck you, Lars. <laughs> but it's because I love him, truly. <laughs> it's a term of endearment for me. Um, I feel better reading his uh, his recent uh, quotes and hearing him speak about it now, for sure. What do you guys think? I think he's just trying to be PC right now. I think what he did at the time was he was doing it for all the other artists, too. You know, it, imagine if you own a coffee shop and everyone's paying three dollars for a cup of coffee. And then all of a sudden people just start walking in that they're not paying. You pour them a cup of coffee and they just walk out. That's what they were doing with the music. It's like, you know, wait a minute. My albums are here and you're stealing it for free. You know, and I want you to pay for it. And, then, you know, when that I Disappear song got out there, it wasn't finished. Like, it's a comic. Mm -hmm. If I had a bit out there that wasn't finished and it was all over the place like as big as them, I'd be like, wait, this isn't done. I don't want that out there. So I understand where he's coming. And he didn't know. He's just like, what the fuck is this? He goes, oh, it's, it's uh, you know, this, this new thing. If your file got out there, he had no clue. Yeah, so he definitely jumped in mm -hmm. without really researching it. But I think he, he, they even said at the time, we did it for the little bands, too, because they were getting ripped off. Yeah, it definitely helped some bands, mm -hmm. you know, getting exposure and all that stuff. But still, you know, the record company was taking so much of your money anyway. Yeah. A $10 record. You were getting like two dollars, yeah. maybe. Maybe. And now you weren't even getting that. Yeah. If you're lucky. I watched. But you, uh, if you look at the music industry now. That are all getting paid from the streaming services. You know what I mean? Like every time it's played on Spotify, especially satellite radio, mm -hmm. all these streaming sites, you're getting money. Mm -hmm. The artists are getting the money now. Mm -hmm. So that should have happened back then. They finally yeah. figured it out. The record, the record companies were stubborn too. Well, yeah, they're so the they ones that fucked that up. For the sure. The artists could make money when you, you know, not buying the stuff. Yeah. Like I have Apple Music. I pay 10 bucks a month. I can listen <laughs> to anything I want. And every time I listen to it, it goes, a little money goes into their pocket. Yeah. 
For sure. I think, that, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, certainly, you know, as a former musician myself, I, I you know, want to get paid for my work. And if I own something, you know, and you're supposed to pay royalties on it, you should be for sure. My my issue is always, um, I think what a lot of fans felt is that he was attacking us, you know, saying, fuck, you know, fuck you guys for downloading that shit. When we were just like, hey, we're fans. We like your music anyway. I'm still going to come to your concerts. I'm still going to buy your merch. I'm probably still going to buy your albums. At the time, that was the only digital way for me to carry around music without a CD, you know, so I had my I would put it on my iPod. Um, So, you know, I I took issue with the way it was handled. I also... think that if if he had focused his anger at the label instead of at the fans we wouldn't be having this conversation right now i think that was the mistake they all made is the labels were the ones standing in the way of digital music because they didn't fucking get it they didn't know how to handle it and what to do with it and look now i mean you know they had to be dragged kicking and screaming absolutely 21st century because they don't want to fuck it they don't they don't want to have to work for it right and they were already ripping off artists I think yeah. they were just pissed that somebody else was ripping off their artists in a way. Um, so, yeah, so I think that, you know, it was going to happen no matter what. I think that, you know, and Napster did attempt to get into talks with the labels and say, hey, how can we make this a subscription service? And the labels were like, no, fuck you. And then Apple Music came in and fucking dominated everything. You know, and the sad thing is that, and and we've talked about this quite a lot on the show. I don't buy records anymore. I don't buy physical music anymore. I stream everything. Um, the artists get the, it's such a tiny portion on a on a stream or a download versus a physical CD. That's the label not fucking being in tune with the times and not giving a fuck. I would much rather pay. I think I pay ten bucks for Spotify. I'll pay twenty bucks if you give my artists a raise. I'd be happy to. And I think that was the, the what was missed in the conversation is talk to the fans. Are you guys willing to pay a little bit to download this shit? I think ninety five percent of them would have said yes. We're your fans. Well, of course we yeah, would. Definitely. Of course we would. Yeah. So to me, that was the big problem is that everybody just flipped the fuck out and turned all their attention to Napster bad fans downloading it. Fuck you guys. So you know, um, that's always been my issue with it for sure. Well, you know, just by streaming it, think about it. When you bought a CD back then, what, like 13 bucks or something like that, right? Yeah. So the, the artist would just get paid one time from you buying that mm-hmm. CD, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So let's say the cut was three bucks. The record company, whoever got the rest, whatever the cut was, they only got that cut once because you only bought that CD once. Now that you're streaming their songs, you know, the same songs over and over mm-hmm. again or whatever, so they're getting paid every time, so they're getting making mm-hmm. more money. That no one's buying physical copies anymore. You know, when you play, you know, any Metallica song a hundred times, they're getting paid. They would have never got paid before if you were just listening to your car a hundred times. Absolutely. The artists actually make out better these days. It depends, though. Money on the CD, on the music anyway. The record companies were the ones flying around the private planes and all that shit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All the money. You know, so now, now the artists are actually getting paid. Well, the only problem is indie artists. I wish there was, I wish it was a scalable thing. You know, if you have a major label and you get X amount of downloads, you get paid 10 cents for a download. But if you're a small indie artist and you're only getting a hundred downloads, you should get a dollar for those downloads, in my opinion, because the, the small artists are getting paid the exact same amount as the big artists. And that's, that does hurt the smaller artists because 
I would have spent 10 bucks to buy their CD when I went yeah. to their concert. I mean, they're the, the ones who suffer in all of this. Yeah, so, so I think yeah, that's a tough guys. issue, too, is that there should be... I would like the streaming services to feel like they are mo- way more empowered than the labels and say, no, we're going to... F- and get together with the artists, especially the RIAA, and determine how people get paid based on, you know, your level. I mean, it's it, that a sliding scale, it, it's not a new concept in payment. And I think that would be much more fair to artists these days. Well, yeah, the, the streaming services are paying shit. It's satellite radio is the one that pays the most. Mm-hmm. When they when they merged Sirius and XM, they, they the FCC told them, look, you're gonna have to start paying the artists and pay this high exorbitant rate. And the rest of them, YouTube, Spotify, mm-hmm. Pandora, they're paying shit. Yeah. Eventually, I hear like the next year and a year and a half, they have to pay a lot more. Yes. Right now, they're ripping off the artists by paying like nothing. I agree totally. Like I heard there was something like a a million a million listens to a Drake song. He got a hundred dollars. Yeah. On Spotify. Yeah, I think it's like three cents. That is a joke. I think it's a. Th- yeah. What did what did um. Our friends that do the theme song to the show, what did they say it was like a third of a cent or something per download for them? Yeah, something, something insane yeah, like that. Something it, fractional like that. Very yeah, small. it was yeah. Ri- ridiculous. But, you know, now Best Buy announced that, you know, they're no longer going to be selling physical music. Apple isn't going to be even selling downloadable file. It's only going to be streaming. Right, so as all of this changes... Um, there has to be someone holding all of them accountable and saying, well, if you're the only facility to sell music, you better fucking pay properly, you know? You know, but on the other hand, um, the internet and this technology has allowed artists to bypass um, record labels completely. With, you know, you got websites like CD Baby or uh, Bandcamp or whatever, and artists are have the ability to sell directly to their fans. And a perfect example of this is when Particles Collide. I went on when they released their albums. I paid the you know twenty five bucks or whatever it was for three of their albums to download, and I know that money is going towards the artist I want to support and I'm a fan of. But there's yeah, no the marketing. ITunes, the iTunes records like the ten dollars nine ninety nine. I know I put my CDs before I was even on a label up there. <laughs> And I think I got seven fifty, and I got seventy five percent. They got twenty five percent. So I got my, you know, so these the bands were selling a lot less records, but now to make it seven dollars and fifty cents per CD, to for you know, if you buy it on iTunes, compared to like two bucks that the record companies mm. were selling, so you only yeah. have to sell mm-hmm. like a third to really reach what the money you were making before. Yep. But you also, but but you need that marketing though. You need to be able to market like the like the big labels can to keep up and to actually make a living off of your music and be on the road all the time. So it's it's that's still that same problem that has always existed. You know, how do you get yourself out there as an artist if you're not on a label? Um, I just think that I think it's an interesting look back to how things changed and to how vilified the streaming downloading service, whatever you want to call it, was at the time. You know, and how it really affected music, and it, it was like once once you you let the kid the dog out of the cage, they know they can get out of the cage. Once we could just download music, I was like, "Fuck your face!" I I need to just why wouldn't I always want to do this? I'm not gonna go back to buying fucking physical CDs. I mean, I remember when Napster and LimeWire were shut down, and I went on it one day, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck! I can't download anything." I was infuriated, and there was a time where I didn't. I was like, "I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know." Where to get music from now, damn it. Um, you know, it took a while to be able for Apple and all of that to happen. Um, so without Napster, I don't know. I wonder where we would be. 
without Napster, without all of that happening. We'd still be buying CDs. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, Somebody it was, else would have come there, along. There would, be, you know, would have been no incentive yeah. for the record companies to do anything any different. It would have, well, no, but it would have happened eventually. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, technology sure. is, you know, advances on, it, on its own pace. It would have happened eventually. But I think the more Napster was vilified, I know, in my experience, the more it was vilified, the more people learned about it. The more it was talked about, the more people learned about it. As these Senate hearings were going on, everybody's down making new Napster. I can't remember what the number was, but the percentage of people registering for a Napster account during the hearings, like, shot up during all the lawsuits. Because people knew about it. They're like, wait, what? And everybody was like furiously downloading all this. I better hurry up and download it before it shuts down. And, and you know, and it's and it's not a thing. But this goes back to to mixtapes, which we've talked about a lot on this show. I found out about Metallica because of a. Do you remember Jim when you could share tapes with like people in the back of like Hit Parader and Circus Magazine? Like everybody would have like. Yeah. I I was. I was super fan of that um, and and found out about so much music through that. Um, so I was doing the same thing as Napster, basically. Some dude was copying, you know, Metallica's first album and sent me the tape and I got that for free and I traded back with him, whatever, Anthrax, like something I recorded in New York City. And, you know, but I became a lifetime fan. I went out and bought the album that he of the tape he gave me because I wanted the jacket. I wanted all the things. You know, I bought merchandise. I went to all their shows. Um, so I don't always think it's a bad thing to be introduced to music for free. I think it's a great way to get fans. It's a great way to be exposed to it and get a following. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just like radio. You know, radio would, would you'd hear a song for free and then hopefully go out and buy it. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, yeah exactly. No, I, 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 Good point. Why. I was the guy who always got the, the record or the cassette or the, the CD when it first came out. And my friends like, I play it for him. Like, oh, can you make me a copy? And I'm like, all right. So I do cassette after cassette, and I make a copy of bootleg like, copy. If they really liked it, they would go out and buy it themselves. Yes. But yeah, I was always the guy doing that. It just took a lot longer. When NASA came, you just hit a couple of buttons, and you got them. You got oh, yeah. the whole, you know, the whole CD. Right. I had to wait. I had to turn it over, do all that other shit. Yeah. So exactly. Napster was ex is exactly what you said. Napster is the technical evolution of tape trading. Yes, absolutely. And I was a big, big fan of tape trading. And I think, you know, it was certainly a different time, too. And I hate to be one of these old curmudgeon fuckers that's like, kids these days. But I think we had a little bit better of a moral code as well. I think we, we understood, hey, these people are trying to make a living from this. You know, they give me enjoyment from their music. They need to be able to pay their bills. So I want to support them financially. I got that. And I think we all tried to be very aware of that. Um, today, would people do that? You know, like, you leave a stack of CDs in a jar, put the money in, take the CD. What would happen in the 80s versus now? I hate to say it, but I don't think the same moral code exists right now. I just don't. Well, case in point, different, I've got, different world. Yeah. I've got a bunch of CDs on my CD rack in the basement that um, I never would have bought if I hadn't heard them on Napster or Kazaa or whatever it was. Just same music I wouldn't have been exposed to. Exactly. Same. Same here. Tape trading, Napster, all of that shit. There's no, I, I would have never known about half of that stuff. I mean, some of the 
weird, like, European metal bands that I found out about were through tape trading. I mean, fucking Vixen, Warlock. I would have never Warlock. Who the fuck in the beginning liked Warlock in the States? Nobody even knew who they were. And I was like, oh, yeah, fucking Warlock. And that was from tape trading. You know, and I, and I, I mean, I kept doing it with CDs. And I'll never forget, I was living in Belgium at the time. And I got this big letter in the mail that I had to sign for. And it was my CD back. And there was a bill there. And I had gotten busted for sending a copy of copyrighted music. And I had to pay a hundred euro fine and sign this thing basically saying I would never do it again. And I was <laughs> blown away. I was like, what the fuck? Am I on a list now? Like, how the fuck did this happen? I was so... Oh my god, I was so terrified. I was like, I'm, and I had a, the worst thing is, I had my label at the time. So here I am, <laughs> trying to make money off of pressing records, and I'm copying illegal CDs. I was fucking, oh my god, it was awful. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> but I, so, uh, last episode, no, last episode before last, we talked about MTV. Um, on the show, Jim, and we kind of went through like the history of it and how it affected music and how it changed music. And we we discussed like MTV, this would be such a perfect time for MTV to come back, because the world is so full of so much content. Who knows how to filter it? And how do you, you how do you get past all of it and find the things that you like? Um, you know, going back to those trusted VJs, you know, that would turn us on to music and, um, you know, that could be in a little bit more control of content. And I think it's the same for tape trading. I mean, I'm constantly sending Spotify links to friends. Hey, have you heard this band? No, you should hear this band. And I think that that, I think we desperately need that to come, like we've come full circle and we need that now because if I want to just do a search of, you know, new metal bands. Oh, hi. There'll be hundreds. How do I even begin to, to decipher any of that and make a decision for myself? It, I think it's, it's, it's a tough place right now. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I don't think MTV would be good for rock or metal music. If they came back, they'd stick with hip hop and pop. They're too PC. They'd be way yeah. too PC and they would never play metal on there. Mm -hmm. So you would never see any, anything hard rock metal on there at all the hope would be that old mtv would come back you know like the old days um headbangers right. ball and all that shit like the early early days is what what or or just you know like they used to have yo mtv raps and then you had this and you had they would say you know segment it so people who like this style of music could look into the i think that's what i think would be amazing yeah so it would be epic to have D. Snyder come back on and resurrect Headbangers Ball. That would be fucking amazing. <laughs> that <laughs> would be amazing. Headbangers Ball was the shit. Absolutely. Like, like Jim oh, said, yeah. though, I think it's just too PC now. Well, yeah, the, the MTV ever, that exists yeah. now, for sure. For sure. Yeah, right. everything's too PC now. So, um, hey, Jim, before we let you go, do you want to talk about any of your current projects? You know, I know you're touring as well in this October some of your shows, what you guys, where people can find you, what you want them to check out? Um, no, it's all right. I mean, I do a podcast every week. It's up on iTunes, Comedy Metal Midgets. That was awesome having him on here. Um, if you want to oh, so hear... Cool. So cool. I mean, if you want to hear one of the funniest podcasts 
out there, definitely look up his uh, comedy metal midgets. It's so fucking funny. So fucking it's, funny. Uh, it's oh, yeah. hilarious. I was yeah, listening. Yeah. I mean, I've been listening to it for a while, but today I was trying to listen to as much as I could. And um, so Jim had a short period of time where he could be on the show, and we were so appreciative that he gave us that time. So he had to go. But um, he went on this rant about um, hoes before or bros before hoes. Oh, I listened to that. Oh my god, it was so <laughs> fucking fun. Well, yeah, the, yeah, it was yeah. so funny because my girlfriends. Oh, this is terrible. Um, they used to always be like, "Oh, we, you know, girls come before boys," and I'd always be like, "Yeah, sure, okay." <laughs> no, they don't, dude. What the fuck? I see you bitches all the time. So that was kind of his sentiment. It was pretty fucking funny. I was laughing my fucking ass off. And he was going on and on about vanity plates, which was absolutely yeah. hilarious. Hilarious. And if you guys don't know that metal show, it was called on VH1. You can find it on YouTube. He has he has gotten to interview and um, hang out with some of the greats in rock and metal. And um, he also has done these rants where he would break down um music movies and things like that and they're very he's a very funny dude very funny guy oh yeah and he did interview lars about napster which is which is pretty ironic yeah that's the closest we'll that's the closest we'll ever get to uh to meeting lars i guess no it's not (laughs) no it's not my hashtag fuck you lars it's going to happen. Okay. Just you wait. Right. It's going to happen. Okay, so how many episodes me, in are we? All right. You hear me, Lars? <laughs> not very many. Hello. Okay, all right. We're not even at our one-year anniversary yet. Just relax. Wow. Just relax. It's got to be close. We've come very far. We've come so- sort of sort of, kind of far. And now we're having big-time guests. Look at that. Yeah, man. Yeah. We had a legit celebrity on tonight, dude. Not that Bre- not crazy. not that Brett's not a celebrity in our community, but Brett is absolutely a fucking celebrity. Hell yeah, oh, yeah. Please. Next up is D. Snyder, right? Make it happen. Right? Make it happen. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> don't forget, we friends. Can make it happen. D. and Lars. Yes. Don't don't Coming forget. Soon. Everybody. <laughs> I can already think what that episode could be titled. Oh God! Can you imagine? If Lars, you know that his like press agent will listen to a bunch of the shows and not only hear me signing off every show with fuck you, Lars, but hearing you, Jake, parody his father. Parody? <laughs> yes. Oh, God. You're talking about all those times that Torben called in? Yeah. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I think Torben's got to come ah, clean God. with his son. Oh, dude. Torben, <laughs> Torben's got a lot to answer to. He does. I'll, I'll, hey, I bet, I bet if we get Lars on the show... I'll get Torben to call in and talk to him. Dude, he has to fucking call in. That would be amazing. Amazing. All right. So let's take a quick break because I have to pee. The listeners can listen to some music. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the worst and best metal bands in history. As we asked our friend Jim what his thoughts were. We'll be right back.
now let's uh, let's talk about the worst metal bands in history and some of the best metal bands in history. Hey Jim, why don't we start with you? The worst metal band by far is Baby Metal. That's, that's, <laughs> that's fucking the worst. That was on my, that was on my list too. It's horrific. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's Can awesome. you get any more of a flash in the pan, 15 minutes of fame than that? Oh, Let's hope that's all they get. <laughs> no, because I was on Rock on the Range at Big Festival a couple of years ago, and they were on it. Like, the whole place wanted to go see them. Oh. Like, oh, they were awesome. Like, stop. It's nonsense. <laughs> Dude. This band's going to be huge. I go, no, no, they're not. It's right. a gimmick. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. no. No, not good. So what would you consider, like, some of your, like, best metal bands? I get my favorite metal band of all time is Old Black Sabbath. Nice. Uh, you know, Ozzy era Black Sabbath. That was my favorite. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I got to go with them, number one. But Beijing Metal, definitely the worst. <laughs> there's there's a band um, that I, I mean I'm always late to the game I'm the first to admit it because I don't really listen to new modern music but I came across it on a playlist on Spotify and I liked one song and then I went ooh okay this is a female fronted band like I try really hard to support female musicians and I went and listened to the rest of it and I'm like what is this fucking garbage they're called Hailstorm is that Hailstorm you guys know them yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I can't. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I'm probably going to get hate mail for this, but I think it sucks. I think it's terrible. Well, you know, I've seen them live before. We had them on that metal show. They're, look, they're not a metal band. You know, they're a rock, rock slash hard rock band. You know, they're really good live, though. Look, you know, if, you know, look, they're not, they're not going to be on, um, you know, a big four or show or anything yeah. like that, but. The singer, she's, got a, guitar she's got a ton of talent. They're a good band yeah. to see live. Yeah, yeah they are a little poppy at times, absolutely, and some radio-friendly stuff, but they're, they're really good live. They're good musicians, and they all play. They actually play their instruments, so I always give them a pass. But yeah, they're not they're not a metal band by any, no. any stretch of imagination. They're categorized as that sometimes in playlists, and, and there was a suggestion thing, and I was like, I can't. I, yeah, to me that's not metal at all. Sailor, don't don't mention that to my wife. She loves Lizzie Hill. Oh God, <laughs> don't bring it up. <laughs> don't I'll, bring it up. I'll try not to. Um, who well, else do I fucking hate? That's I don't know. Time honored history of bands being grouped into metal that have no business being there. You know, we yeah. talk about this all the time, all yeah. the time on the show. Like, what's metal? What's not metal? I think it. Well, that was that was the theory. Like when we were getting coming up with the name for the TV show. What VH1 wanted that metal show because they wanted metal on the title because they said when people search on their uh, DWR or whatever on the pro guide with metal, they'll always stop. And we're like, look, but what if we have uh, poison on? You know, and then they're obviously not going to have metal. We had, uh, you know, uh, Paul Rogers from Bad Company. I go, that's not anything close to metal. <laughs> no, God, like, no. We want that on the title. I go, we're going to get killed every time. <laughs> You know, if we just call it that rock show, you know, or music yeah. or something like that, right. then we wouldn't have a problem. But, you know, you run out of guests. There's only so many metal guys you right. can have on. But we always run into that. I'm right, like, yeah, right. I know they're not metal. Yeah. You know, and yeah. we had some whatever band on. Yeah. Well, when I was thinking of the name of this podcast, you know, I was like, metal and whiskey had to be in it because that's like, and I'm like, I got to throw rock in there because I'm not going to, I'm not going to discuss ACDC, in my opinion, and call them metal. To me, they are rock. They are hard rock and they are perfect version of hard rock. 
Um, but we yeah. argue about this all the time on the show. What's metal and what's not metal. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of discussions about this. <laughs> yeah. A lot of fights about yeah. it. Uh, yeah, genres and subcategories are brutal, man. Really brutal. Oh, man. <laughs> There's another rabbit hole you can go Yeah, it's a whole rabbit hole. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jim. I know that your time is limited, and we are very appreciative that you took out the time to be on the show with us. And everyone, please um, find Jim. Oh, yeah, Jim. no problem. Yeah, it's fine. Find him. Yeah, thank you so much. You can find you, Jim on really Twitter. And yeah, you just can... go to my website, jimflorence.com. All my shit's out there. Awesome. Perfect. All right. Thank Sweet. you again. Rock on. Yeah, thanks, Matthew. We'll do it again, definitely. Awesome. All right. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Go listen to this bit on the phone line, Metallica record. Tell me that's not thrash. All right. <laughs> All right, I'm yeah. going to get back Say to you on that. All right, I'm going to get back to you on that. I will do it. Right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. That's exactly what Ed said. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, exactly. I know, yeah. I know. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right, Matt. You spoke a little bit about yours. Yeah, I did. I agree with him on baby metal, certainly. Yeah, I think we all did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <clears throat> if but, you can even really call that metal, but anyway. Yeah, that's they the do. Yeah, oh. just because it's in the name of the band, that's why. Yeah. But, um, I mean, for me, best is so easy for me. I mean, I there, there are three that will always be the top three and no one will ever top them. And, you know, I agree with Jim on black Sabbath, Ozzy black Sabbath, then Metallica and motorhead. Those are the top three. And without the arguments of genres and subgenres and, and all that stuff that we can dive into, those are the top three for me. Uh, next level down below that, uh, anthrax slayer priest. Those are the next three after that. And Pantera is in there too. Uh, for me, worst, you know, I. It's a lot of newer stuff to me. That's the worst. Yeah. So I mean, it, and you might not even classify it as metal, but I just hate these guys so much that I just had to throw them in there, whether they're metal or not. So I mean, Nickelback, <laughs> Creed, <laughs> Limp Biscuit, Kid <laughs> Rock. I think that's metal. Kid Rock, um, <laughs> Striper. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> not so new. Uh, asking Alexandria, they're a lot newer, but those are those are ones I've always hated. And uh, no, Striper's a little bit newer because I didn't really know of them until we started bringing them up on the show. What? I yeah, can't exactly. Believe, I still can't believe well, I mean, I had never heard of Striper. Until, oh my god! Exactly. They were huge brought, in I mean, the four 80s or five somehow. guys dressed as bumblebees. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I mean that's my list. A lot of newer stuff for worst. Ed, Jake. Well, <clears throat> my favorite is easy. It's Metallica. Boom. And that's uh, <clears throat> as far as the worst goes. Um, I could compile a list if I really wanted to, but I'll just say one all-encompassing worst statement. I'll just say any band. That screams or growls instead of sings is the worst <laughs> band to me. Worst metal band. So Ed, what is your ratio? Because I know that you've, in the course of doing this show, you've you've liked some stuff that had some of the the rough vocals, 
Um, but what's your ratio of like rough vocals to clean vocals to be something that you I'd would like? I'd say probably. Ten, you, I could, I could stand maybe up to ten percent. <laughs> growling or screaming. I love Unleash the Archers is a perfect example. Ten percent of growlers. <laughs> Sorry, it's <just> so funny. <laughs> Wait, this has 11.5% of growling. I cannot listen to this. <laughs> Turn it off, please. Give or take. Give or take. On the Edo meter. <laughs> oh, God. The Edo meter. Oh, I forgot about the Edo meter. <laughs> so I guess Slayer would be included. Oh, God in damn that. it. Um, Lamb of God. What about Megadeth? What about Megadeth? Megadeth? He didn't scream. No, he growls though. He growls, he, yeah. His his Oscar so the Grouch. Angry. Oh, he was totally. So angry again. He does the Oscar. He does it. He does it like Oscar the Grouch style. He doesn't go. He does the eighties scream. Have you heard his new growls though? The new growls are very Oscar the Grouch. I think that's. I think that's because he's a human form of Oscar the Grouch. The latest Megadeth album I have is Cryptic Writings. That was from like what, late nineties. Yeah, yeah, it's a little while ago. Yeah, it's better, not modern. So, yeah, this is not and, modern. Well, some of my 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 best and worst. Um, I guess I'll go best first. Uh, Metallica, Pantera, uh, Lamb of God. Uh, Becoming the Archetype is one I think maybe, I don't know if I ever mentioned them on another episode, but, uh, but they are, um, they're one if, if, if you like that style that like Lamb of God, um, but you want to take it to the level of like true concept album, they are an incredible band. They mix in, uh, they mix in Spanish guitar, classical, uh, piano, right in the, I mean, you'll be in the middle of just thrash your face off and then it'll just break into like a Spanish guitar solo for like three and a half minutes. And then it'll just go right back into thrash again. And it's, it's, it's incredible music. Um, they're probably a little more less known. Um, geez, so many I can name on that level, but those would probably be my favorites as far as what I consider uh, in the in the realm of of metal for me, worse. <clears throat> oh man, I'd almost have to un uncaveat my caveat of what I consider to be metal, just in uh-huh. order, just in just in order to downgrade some of these worst metal bands. <clears throat> uh-huh. uh, you know what? <clears throat> what I don't like um, in, in metal is I I don't like it. Uh, well, I guess probably I, you guys, I've voiced this. I don't like Slayer. <clears throat> um, I don't, I don't like when, uh, when the vocalist either is very monotone in his scream or growl. I don't like any of the like pipe style stuff. Any of that crap. What is that like? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Any like the really new subgenre stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't really care for much of that stuff. It just bores me. It gets too repetitive. I think that's probably why uh, the one why why I I always have loved Metallica is that they they were willing to uh, to change it up a bit and and do different styles within 
the realm of metal, and that was probably the one thing I always loved about them. So they would be my number one. Well, I think we all know that I'm still a Metallica <clears throat> fan, even though I keep them in a certain place and time. Slayer always. We know you don't like them, Jake. <laughs> um, yeah. Metallica, Slayer. I mean, it used to say Megadeth, but not for a long, long time. Testament I love. Old Anthrax. The, like, the worst for me. The worst for me is just shit that gets called metal now that's just garbage. <clears throat> like, complete garbage. Like, all the Nickelbacks and Creed's and all that vomitorious. Ah, that's that's kind of so where like I my list here. on a lot yeah. of, like, yes. the... Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of feel the same way about when I think back of all of the bands that uh, are listed as metal from, like, the 70s and 80s, and I'm like, this is... This is metal light. This be like light metal. This is the uh, I don't know. This is the Yanni of Yanni. When I hear when I hear people say like uh, bands like uh, man like Motley Crue or Def Leppard or stuff like that, I'm like yeah, they're metal. I'm like no, no, no. I guess they're more hard like that's rock. barely aluminum. Well, I mean, back in the d- <laughs> back in the day, Def Leppard was considered metal, and I think it's fair for like their first two albums. It's kind. I like Def. Yeah. I like Def Leppard because they're a good '80s rock band. They're, there's yeah. nothing metal about it. No, I know. It's, <laughs> they're definitely my top five. I, I, I would have to agree. They're oh, a hard love, rock band. Yeah. You're right. It's not a metal band. That's that's for sure. <clears throat> By today's why, standards, definitely. No, I don't even think back. That I mean, that's why I'm like Testament, Slayer, Metallica. You know, Megadeth, like all that <clears throat> shit. You know, Ozzy, of course. I mean, we all know I'm a huge Ozzy fan for sure. But um, but it's hard to just like do a list without breaking it down and going yeah. like like deep diving into it. For sure, so. I think we should just leave it. We should just kind of leave it there, I think. Yeah. All right, well, that was an awesome discussion. And once again, Jim, thank you so much for being on the show. It was it was a blast. Totally feel like, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. You've oh, yeah. been hanging out yeah. with, like, the greatest. Totally. And had some amazing moments in your career. Um some incredible, <laughs> incredible experiences hanging out with Metallica before they were even really Metallica um, and winning a fucking Emmy and having, you know, successful shows and um, a successful podcast and successful albums and a book as well. So um, everybody, please, once again, like Jim said, please go to his website, Jim Florentine. Check him out. He's on Twitter. You can find him on Instagram. You can find him everywhere. And um, listen to his shit. And if you are, if you're a metal fan like us, I would highly suggest going to YouTube and and you know, pulling up all the episodes of that metal show because there were some great, great moments on that show, for sure. And to all of our listeners, if you enjoyed this show, we ask that you please tune again next week when we'll be back with another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. And until that time, can I ask what is anyone? What is anyone? That makes sense. <laughs> you a can lot ask sense. whatever you want. Even I don't know make, what I am. What? I'm just, Has, why am I here? I, what does this all mean? What has you been listening to? 
Sucker. Yeah, what Jake said. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've been listening to Jim's podcast, yeah. of course. Actually, Times too. Yeah, yeah, I did. I've been starting <laughs> listening to that too. Freaking hilarious. Yeah, so good. I love it. Times three. Metal midget. Was it comedy metal midgets? Comedy yeah. metal midgets, yeah. <laughs> yes. So everybody go check it and out. like me. It's hilarious. It sounds I mean, entertaining. I still haven't listened to it. Actually, I... Uh, I had never seen that metal show until uh, this <gasps> this week leading up to this episode. I, really? I watched a bunch of episodes of it. Yeah. Oh, I used to love that show. I was ad- I was addicted to it. I tried to never miss an episode if I could. But actually, what one other thing I started listening to again recently, um, a song came up um, in random play from one of my music playlists is a song by Slaughter. And man, that was oh one of those goodness. bands that I loved back in the day. I and I started too. listening oh. to their too. songs. I, I just started playing. Isn't oh that, man. Isn't that the so best good. feeling in the world though? When you, it is. Yes. It is. Yeah, it's so good. When you just don't give a fuck. I did that with Tesla recently. Like, um, yeah. and I used to, lo- I saw them like three times in concert. I made, we, my girlfriend and I made her mom drive us like fucking four hours away to see them again. We were like huge Tesla fans. And then I, you know, was like, got into serious metal and I was like, what is this crap? And recently I'm on Spotify and it comes up, I think modern day cowboy or whatever it's called. And I was like, yeah, welcome to And I started listening. To it. I was like, wait a minute. I love this shit. So oh, <laughs> they're yeah. rocking out to right there with you. <laughs> Guilty pleasures. <laughs> Anybody you, else? Yeah. Um, I got nothing. I'm uh, Jim's podcast, man. Go check it out. <clears throat> Yeah, I've just been basically wrapping up a few uh, a few audiobooks this last week, but none of them on topics interesting for this show. So that's basically it. And then, you know, watching uh, that metal show and a bunch of uh, YouTube videos on Napster and whatnot. So that's been about it. Oh, and, and a bunch right. of stuff on keto diets. I guess we should we should mention that um you know if the listeners want to go even more in depth cuz we tried to keep it brief for time's sake um there's a movie called Downloaded and you mm-hmm. can get it on Amazon um you know you can purchase it online it, it's it really really great it it covers uh Napster from the beginning um day 1 to what happens after it and um really well done documentary I highly recommend it and is directed by Alex Winter, of course, of Bill and Ted fame. True, right. So it is excellent. Whoa, whoa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> put a bow, put a bow on it, Matt. Okay. Uh, so our fellow metal rock and whiskey obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback. Find us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey. Send us your love, your likes, and please share your thoughts, reviews questions suggestions concerns and comments about the show you can also follow us individually on instagram yours truly at the whiskey obsessor that is whiskey save the e ed they can find me on instagram as well at bourbon geek sailor don't be a dick you're supposed to say that matt remember um <laughs> hey um, um don't be um, a dickle Oh, wait a second. You cut a lot of this read, so you took that out. I did? 
Yes. I didn't mean to. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, uh, you can find me at Sailor Retro <laughs> and all don't over be a the dick. internet. And don't be a dick. And I'm Sailor Retro. And you can find me on Twitter. Please follow me on Twitter and help me campaign to get D. Snyder of Twisted Sister yes. as a guest on our show when we cover the topic of censorship in music, specifically focusing on the explosion in the 80s. So, D, we love you. You're a huge hero of mine. Please, please, please come on the show. Come on, D. everything you Rock. told me to. D, come on, D. Let's go Mets. He's a huge Mets fan. He is, because he's from, guess Queens. where? Yeah. Astoria, Queens, Queens in Astoria. specific. Yep. My hometown. Ooh. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I got all, all New Yorkie in here. For oh, that. wait. Am I supposed to give... <laughs> hold on. I got to give I gotta give a really, really, really important shout out. My girl, Bridget Katie, thank you so much for putting us in contact with Jim. She made tonight happen, actually. So yeah. um, Thank you, Bridget. She, yeah. Big, big gratitude. Yeah. Once we have t-shirts ready, we need to make sure that she gets a shirt. We love you, Bridget Katie. You're the best. Thank you. We'll just make t-shirts. I said, yeah, we had Jim Florentine on the show. <laughs> it's a really good idea, actually. I like that. Like, like on it. the front, Metal Rock Whiskey, and then on the back, it'll just say, we had Jim Florentine. <laughs> thanks, <Check> Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks, Bridget. I like it. Yeah, and thanks, Bridget, underneath. Yeah. That's perfect. Let's do it. Well, Done. this was a lot of fun. I'm I, I, I'm bummed I missed uh, the section with, with Jim, but I guess I will listen as a fan. Uh, can't wait to hear what you guys talked about. Um and, but I hope everybody else enjoyed the rest of the episode as well. But, uh, hey, my, my glass has been empty this whole time. So <laughs> it's definitely time to go. <laughs> Tip your waitress. We are out. And you know what? Tonight I'm going to say this. Fuck you slash love you slash still confused about you, Lars. Later, everyone. It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs>